1: Hello everybody and welcome into episode 690 of the Packer Day podcast. I'm your host today Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. I am the writer and editor for Packer Report, so you can find my writing there. Uh, today, I've got a really fun episode lined up. I'm going to be talking some Jordan Love, some specifically some 2018 Jordan Love. I've had the opportunity to go back and watch a ton of his 2018 film, so I thought it would be kind of fun to walk through that, what my major observations and takeaways were from that season, where really he, by all accounts, had a fantastic season, and I kind of wanted to go back and watch that in a little bit greater detail. I um, also wanted to talk a little bit about some of the upcoming 2021 contracts. I get asked about that a lot. Um, so I'll kind of start by jumping in with that today and then go over some Jordan love and then I'll get you guys out of here. Uh, before I get into anything, I do want to highly, highly, highly recommend, if you didn't have the opportunity last week to listen in to a couple episodes, we had two very special guests last week. Billy Turner uh, was on the Monday episode with myself along with uh, Jimmy Christensen. Uh, definitely recommend checking out that episode. Uh, an amazingly powerful interview with Billy Turner. Um, definitely recommend checking that out. And then Sarah Spain was on the Wednesday episode with Dusty, Steve, and Sarah. Um, and I really recommend uh, that as well. Sarah's fantastic and was super gracious to come on. Um, so again, I can't uh, recommend those two episodes enough. Obviously, uh, the entire group did tremendous work throughout the course of the week. Um, so I recommend going back and listening to all of them. But if you've only got time for a couple, definitely go back and listen to Sarah and Billy from last week. So let me start today by talking about some of those uh, contracts from 2021 that are going to be upcoming. Everyone knows the names at this point, but Corey Lindsley, Aaron Jones, David Bakhtiari, uh, Kevin King, and Kenny Clark, the names that are consistently brought up. They are all set to be free agents in 2021. I get asked a lot, you know, which ones would you keep? Which ones will the Packers keep? Um, You know, why haven't David Bakhtiari and Kenny Clark uh, been re-signed as of yet? Those seem like kind of no-brainer type of deals that you would get done. And I think it's been a really interesting offseason. I wrote about this for Packer Report a couple of weeks back, and specifically in regards to which Packers could potentially have the most to lose by this entire COVID situation and scenario. And I kind of went into detail about how you know there's this potential that you know the the salary cap could go down a season from now and because of that you know some of these guys who are set to be free agents you know may not see the market next season that they were expected uh, expected to get, and I think that really starts with David Bakhtiari and Kenny Clark. And I hear the question all the time: Why aren't these guys resigned yet? Are they going to resign them? Are they going to get the deals done before the season? And I just think it's such an interesting, you know, point to be in in the season right now. You're not seeing really any, you know, contracts being restructured, any long-term deals being done. The free agency market's completely, you know, dried up. Logan Ryan, Judavian Clowney, those guys can't find long-term contracts at the moment. And I just think that without NFL general managers and without NFL agents knowing exactly what's going to happen this upcoming season and what a 2021 salary cap is going to look like, I just think it makes it almost impossible to try to restructure or extend a contract at this point in the season. And my point being here is we don't know if they're going to be able to complete an entire season. We don't know if they're going to have fans in the stadium. We don't know what type of ad revenue they're going to get. What if, you know, the Super Bowl has to be canceled for some reason? You know, we, we just have no idea what this next six-ish, seven-ish months is going to look like. And if there's going to be a very... Um, you know, valuable NFL season for the the NFL as a whole, and if the the you know players' association and the NFL is really combined, going to make enough money that the salary cap is going to remain in a normal spot next year, and if that's the case, the, the fact that we don't know what's going to happen. How from a Brian Gudakan standpoint, how are you supposed to start negotiating a contract with a David Bakhtiari or a Kenny Clark who we know should be at the top of their um you know positions, you know, monetarily? But if they don't, you know, have the salary cap because the salary cap takes a massive hit next year you know they can't go out and spend all that money before they you know know what's going to happen with that and what that scenario is all going to entail so i think that's why you're not seeing some of these long-term contracts being done and if you look at the uniqueness of the timing the nfl was negotiating Um, you know, for the new CBA. And really before the CBA was signed, it really made it difficult to do long-term deals because you didn't know what the the CBA was going to bring. And with no CBA, it brought specific restrictions as to how you could structure deals. So up until the CBA being signed, it made it really difficult for you to, you know, enter into some of those long-term deals and some of those contract negotiations. And then really almost as soon as the CBA is signed, sealed, and delivered, and you can start having those negotiations, now all the COVID stuff comes up. And I just think that's really put all of those contract negotiations behind the eight ball. And, it, and I think that's why you very well may see this season play out or at least get well underway and have an understanding of what the, the salary cap um, it may look like if they're going to have a normal season and those type of things before you see, you know, the, you know, Brian Gutekunst and the agents start working towards those deals, uh, you, you know, you wouldn't want the agents or the player to, to take something less now because, you know, you think it's not going to have uh, the salary cap dollars available next season. And then all of a sudden it's normal um, or they figure something out where they can prolong that salary cap hit over a period of years. Um, And you wouldn't want as Brian Gutekunst to give, you know, Kenny Clark, one of these top defensive tackle free agent contracts, when all of a sudden you get to next off season and realize there was no money to be spent by any teams. And Clark would have had to have taken uh, far less than what you gave him if you signed him to a long-term deal today. So I just think those are the, the conversations that have to be had right now. And I think that's why some of those deals aren't done. Regardless of what happens, I think, you know, Kenny Clark and David Bakhtiari are of course going to be at the top of the list of players that Green Bay wants to extend. You know, the the easiest way to put this is Green Bay doesn't have answers at either position if Bakhtiari and Clark were to leave. I mean, they have no defensive tackle that's remotely close to being able to fill in for Kenny Clark. And I've said all offseason, you guys have heard me say it over and over and over, I shudder to think about what would happen if Kenny Clark would go over or go out for any extended period of time this year, because I just don't think they're Run defense is up to the, ta- the the run defense may not be up to the task with Kenny Clark in the lineup, and he's one of the best in the game. I just don't know what it would look like with him out of the lineup, and really the same thing for David Bakhtiari. You've got Rick Wagner as a stopgap right tackle. You know Lane Taylor could play maybe a game or two there at left tackle. Um, you know, but you have really questionable developmental prospects at the tackle position. You know maybe Runyon can prove that he can play some right tackle long term, but I I think everyone believes that he's probably. Probably better off as a guard, myself included. Alex Light showed nothing in his opportunity to prove to the team that he could be even a decent swing tackle, so much so that they had to go out and get Jared Valdir. And, you know, Yash Nishman's a really interesting prospect, but I mean, he is nothing but raw potential at this point. I mean, he has a ways to go. And if I were betting, if, if I were to say either Yash Nijman's not on the team this year, or he has a future starting left tackle, I'm going to say there's a better chance that he's not on the team this year than that. He's a future starting left tackle. Does he have some of that upside and potential? Yeah, but you know, he's, he's just got a very, very long way to go. So I just don't know that they have answers for either of those two players. And I think those are the two obvious ones that you're going to want to extend. They, they both play at a potentially all pro level. It's certainly David Bakhtiari does. And you know the only thing that's keeping Kenny Clark from playing at an all pro level is just that we're really at a, a time and a place where uh, defensive tackles across the league is, is maybe the deepest position that it's ever been in the history of football at that specific position. But you know, Clark's right there too. I think Corey Lindsey is going to have a really difficult time getting any sort of contract extension, even going into next year. Uh, they have Lucas Patrick on a cheap deal. They just spent three draft picks, although albeit six round picks, on um, you know developmental offensive linemen. I just think that you know potentially the writing could be on the wall there, especially if salary cap money is is not there to spend. Aaron Jones, you know, when you spend a premium second round pick on AJ Dillon, I love the idea of pairing Dillon and Aaron Jones together long term, but I just don't think again with all of those guys needing contracts, I just think that Aaron Jones may be the the odd man out there and again, when you spend a premium, you know, selection, a second round selection on a running back, which is a very premium pick for a running back, um, I, I just think, again, the writing may be on the wall there for Jones as well. And I think Kevin King is going to be totally dependent upon how he plays and how the rest of that secondary plays. I think I could easily envision a scenario in which he kind of stays status quo and, and kind of stays normal. There's not a ton of salary cap space out there, and he maybe has more value to Green Bay than he does to any any other team. And Green Bay maybe spends a you know a, a reasonable deal on him for like a two or three year deal and brings him back. Um, but, uh, you know, it's going to be very dependent upon how he plays, how Chandon Sullivan plays, Kadar Hallman, um, you know, Josh Jackson for sure. So I think his plays, is, uh, you know, his contract is maybe more dependent upon, uh, you know, how this season progresses from a playing standpoint, you know, more than the other players on that list. Um, but I think all five of these are in really interesting scenarios, just with the, the, the times that we're in and, and the, you know, offseason that's kind of in question as we look ahead to 2021. So that's where I stand right now. I think Clark and Bakhtiari will be back no matter what. I think Kevin King will be dependent upon this season. I think Lindsley will be gone. And I think Aaron Jones would have to take less to come back to Green Bay than what he would get on the open market. And I just don't know that he should or will do that going into next offseason. Time will tell, and we'll certainly keep an eye on it. And we have a 365-day-a-year podcast to keep you abreast of any breaking news or any you know conversations that are had about those potential extensions. But as we sit today, uh, as I record this on June 14th, that's where I think things are currently heading. And again, it would not uh, surprise me in any way, shape, or form if none of those players were re-signed until next offseason simply because of the situation that we're in. All right, let me jump over to Jordan Love, my main topic for today. I wanted to go over uh, the 2018 tape that I watched and I'm gonna go through 12 things that I learned by watching that tape. So I watched as much... 2018 tape of Jordan Love that I could possibly find. So let me run through this really quick, just so you know what I was watching. So uh, he played, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 games. He played 13 games uh, in 2018, starting with a game against MSU, Michigan State. Um, I was able to watch the all 22 tape of that. So I got a really great view of that game. Then New Mexico State, um, I watched game cutups of Jordan Love. Um, So that was game tape, um, specific cutups of just Jordan Love's passes in that game or runs. Um, Versus Tennessee Tech, I could only find highlights. Unfortunately, not a ton of Utah State Tennessee Tech tape from 2018 out there, so I could only watch highlights of that game. Versus Air Force, I was able to, again, watch Jordan Love game day cut-ups of every throw and run that he had in that game. Same thing with at BYU, game cut-up of that game. UNLV at home, uh, only highlights, unfortunately, that tape did not exist. Against Wyoming on the road, I was able to watch the All-22. New Mexico at home, I was able to watch the All-22. Hawaii on the road, I was able to watch the All-22. Same thing with at home against San Jose State. So that stretch of, what, four games, I had a ton of tape to view. Um, At Colorado State, um, they had a condensed game online, so basically the entire game but for both offense and defense, but uh, specifically kind of the more important plays uh, in the game. Same thing with Boise State on the road. That was also a condensed game, um, about a 25-minute version if you're familiar with NFL Game Pass, something very similar to that condensed game uh, for the Boise State game. And then unfortunately, the North Texas bowl game of all games, the actual bowl game had very minimal tape and only had some highlights available. So um, a lot of all 22, let's see, five games in total that I was able to watch the all 22, another three games of game cut-ups, another two games of condensed uh, games, and then uh, three games where I specifically, unfortunately, was limited to just highlights from those specific games. But I watched as much Jordan Love from 2018 as I could possibly get a hold of, and, and that's what I ended up with. And with watching those uh, and you know, as, as many throws as I could from him in 2018, these were the 12 things that I had as major takeaways from that season. The first thing, and maybe most importantly, is that he has the ability to make every throw from almost every platform that you could imagine. And I mean that very specifically. So, He can make the far hash, you know, deep out throw, which is one of the the ones that you do not see very many college quarterbacks throw, much less true sophomores in college at Utah State. Um, he has the ability to make the far hash, deep out route uh, to the opposite side of the field on a line, on a rope. That's one of the first throws that you want to be able to see on tape. He can make that. The back shoulder fades, the fades in the end zone. You see him make throws on a dime, off the back foot, rolling to his right, rolling to his left, in a clean pocket, fading away in the middle of the field, down the field, center, left, middle, right, intermediate, long, deep, short, swing pass. It does not matter. He can make every single throw with the right velocity on it that he needs for that specific throw at the right time for the right reasons from a variety of platforms. And that was my takeaway 1A there's not a throw that he cannot make. There is not a questionable spot in the field. There is not a questionable of, well, when he rolls to the right or to the left, like a a certain, you know, Mitch Trubisky rolling to the left, throwing to the left. That is a difficult throw for him to make. And he's a, what, third or fourth year NFL player at this point? Like he struggles with those. That is not a struggle for Jordan Love. So the fact that he has the arm strength, the talent, the accuracy to all areas of the field and knows how to make every pass um, as a true sophomore, nonetheless, that was takeaway one A and something that I think is going to be very important as he progresses moving forward. Um, just having that as his starting skill set. That's not something that you have to work with. It's not something that Luke Getzi is going to have to work with moving forward is having him try to you know figure out how to make some of these throws. He knows how to make these throws. And again, from different platforms, from rolling to different directions, it doesn't matter he can do it. and that is such a huge trait to have for Matt Laflora, Luke Getzi. And this entire offense moving forward. The second thing was his touch and his placement. And you hear about Jordan Love, and the first thing that people say is, well, he's a developmental quarterback. He's going to take two or three years. He's a developmental quarterback. You know, he's not going to be ready year one. It's going to take him some time. He needs to learn, you know, so on and so forth. And the immediate you know, names that come to mind, or maybe the Mitch Trubisky's, the Deshaun Kaiser's, the Josh Allen's, the, you know, those type of quarterbacks. If you want to go back for the Kyle Bowler's, the JP Lossman's like these, these quarterbacks who have big arms and, you know, Ryan Mallett and, and aren't extremely accurate and, you know, are risk reward type of guys. And and that's kind of the connotation that you get when you hear about these quarterbacks who, oh, they, you know, it's going to take them a couple of years, but you know, maybe they can grow into it. And more often than not, guess what? They don't grow into it. When people say that, you know, Jordan Love needs time. Yeah, he probably does need a little bit of time, but there's a difference. And I want to really highlight this difference between Jordan Love and say a Deshaun Kaiser. Deshaun Kaiser was all projection. So he had the raw tools to be able to develop into a quarterback, but you did not see raw NFL or, you know, NFL throws time after time. You did not see him put together NFL tape. You did not see him, you know, consistently play at an NFL standard at any point in time during his time at Notre Dame. You saw a raw, physical, talented quarterback, a ball of clay that a quarterback coach and an offense and in, in an in a organization thought that they could mold. Into a future NFL starting quarterback. It didn't work. Um, And again, most of the time it doesn't. This is not the same story with Jordan Love. He has made, as I mentioned earlier, every single throw that you need to make. This is not a projection. You don't need to put on his tape and wonder, wow, I wonder, you know, he's going to have to develop so much before we even know what he's going to be as a pass. No, we know what he's going to be as a passer. He is a gifted thrower of the football. And that is not under question. He knows, again, how to make the throws. He knows how to make reads. He knows how to read defenses. He needs to do a better job of it, which we'll get to in a moment. But he's shown all of that on tape. It is not a projection. We know for a fact what he can do. Now you're going to have to coach some things out of him and he needs to grow. But one of the biggest things, and again, I'll go back to this touch and this placement. This is not a Deshaun Kaiser where he's just throwing rocket balls and you know not change. Like He has tremendous touch and placement on the football that I never really expected when I went back and watched him at a, a much higher level he is able to change speeds. You know, he, he throws a fastball when he needs to throw a fastball, but he can throw a changeup. He throws with great touch. He throws with anticipation. Um, he's able to put great arc on the ball on some of those balls and, uh, you know, towards the end zone and, and drop, drop him in a bucket in the corner of the red zone. Um, just throws like that, that show up time after time after time. Again, his touch and his placement, he threw an absolute dime of a back shoulder throw in the back of the end zone. And I think it was against Boise State. Um, just an, an absolute dime, just right on his back shoulder. He, show, he throws a gorgeous fade. And these are not just, again, fastball, strong arm, oh, he can throw it through a wall sort of throws. There's great placement. There's great touch on it. And that was really something that I took away from going back and watching his 2018 tape. Number three, I am not concerned about the accuracy at all. I know there were some questions of, well, well, is he accurate enough? You know, I think he completed about 64% of his passes in 2018. I have no concerns about his accuracy. You'll see him bounce the throw from time to time. Um, it's okay. Every quarterback has it. Aaron Rodgers has it. Um, it's going to happen for, from a, you know from time to time. But overall, he is a very accurate thrower of the football. He's able to put it where he wants it. He's able to lead receivers. Um, his motions good he's got a little bit of a, a hitch in his throw it's a little bit more of a wind-up um, something you would like to see get cleaned up over time but um, because he has such a fast release and such a strong arm it's not going to be anything that you know prohibits him at the next level um, you'd love to see him get cleaned up but overall, his throwing motions good. His footwork mostly is good. It'll get away from him a little bit, but because he's so good at throwing off platform, it doesn't really affect him too much anyway. He has accuracy to all levels of the field. And I just think, you know, for the concerns of, you know, if we're talking again, comparing him to like a quarterback like Josh Allen, where you would see him, you know, throw balls in the dirt on easy swing passes and, and just miss throws that, he, you know any NFL quarterback should be able to make. You don't see those simple, easy mistakes from from um, from Jordan Love. And I don't think it's going to be an issue moving forward as well. The next thing, tight window throws. And I saw, and I forget, and I'm sorry that I don't know who said this originally, but uh, there was a scouting report that I read. It may have been off of McGinn's, uh, but I think it was off of Bob McGinn's um, that he got from an NFL scout. But He said something to the extent of, you know, Jordan Love might be the first quarterback ever who goes from, you know, college, especially a a Utah State um, lower level or lower tiered college uh, into the NFL and actually has larger windows to throw to in the NFL. Now, that was more based on his 2019 tape, but you see him throw some absolute tight window throws, some throwing receiver open throws. I posted a couple on my timeline on Twitter. I definitely recommend checking it out. Um, there's one where he throws in between three defenders. There's a goal line play where he's got a, a guy rushing him. And then there's another defensive lineman that's you know kind of to his other side. And then he's got two linebackers or at least defensive players that are dropping into coverage. And then there's a corner that's in man-to-man coverage against his receiver he literally throws it between the four defenders, the two defensive linemen and the, the two uh, players who drop back into zone coverage and ahead of the player who was playing in man coverage and just absolutely throws it on a dime for a touchdown. It was a, it, this was a fastball. This was a fast, fastball um, that the receiver had to basically double catch, but made a great catch of it in the end zone, but literally threw it between four defenders and ahead of the person that was in man coverage. It's those tight window throws that show up and uh, it's just so such an impressive aspect of his game. And again, and something that you don't see a ton out of from true sophomore quarterbacks playing at uh, Utah State. And it was it was something that very much impressed me and showed up multiple times on tape. Number five, turnover worthy plays were still prevalent in 2018. So I think there was this idea that Jordan Love in 2018 you know, had this great touchdown to interception ratio. And then 2019 came along and he didn't have his supporting cast. He didn't have the players around him and he was trying to do too much. And that's when all the turnover worthy plays started to come into effect. And unfortunately, that's not exactly the case. There are plenty of turnover worthy plays in his 2018 tape. It's just that the defense didn't always take advantage of them. And that's why his interception numbers specifically were lower in 2018 than they were in 2019. Now, I think he was a little bit safer uh, with the football in 2018. I think he made some better decisions, but there's at least one throw in every game that does make you shake your head and say, what was possibly going on uh, in Jordan Love's head when that throw was made? Uh, there is a lot of Aaron Rodgers in Jordan Love's game. There's also a lot of Brett Favre in Jordan Love's game. Now, I'm not saying he's going to end up like either of those two players in any stretch of the imagination, but some of the some of the rocket balls, uh, as Mike Holmgren called them for Brett Favre, some of those you know fifty-fifty gamble plays thrown into coverage, trusting his arm too much that that you know fans saw out of Brett Favre. You'll see those from Jordan Love from time to time, and I think it was noteworthy that. Again, this was not just a 2019 trade. This is something that showed up quite a bit in 2018. And uh, from a positive standpoint, one of the things that I really love to see is that those interceptions didn't bother him when he came back on the field the next time. This was not a quarterback who threw a pick and then salt to the sideline. This is not a quarterback that threw a pick and then you know the rest of the game he suffered because it was in the back of his head. He was like an assassin. He came back, he, it didn't bother him or phase him one bit. And, you know, I think that's one positive to take away from it, but he threw a lot of potential interceptions. Some were intercepted, some were not. There were a couple of interceptions that did exist that weren't really his fault. That his receivers had the opportunity to catch and bounced off of their hands. But you'll see at least one head scratching turnover pl- uh, play in about every single game from Jordan Love, and that's one of those things that's really going to have to get cleaned up. And you know who better to learn from than Aaron Rodgers, the most turnover averse quarterback in the history of the NFL. If he gets time to learn behind him and learn how to not turn over the football. That's going to be a huge win for Jordan Love because honestly, at this point, that's the only thing in his game that I have major concerns over is just those interception and turnover worthy plays. Number six is uh, in a very similar vein, but it's how those turnover plays came to be. So there's three different situations in which Jordan Love got himself into trouble. The first is that he was trying to do too much where he sees specifically that he's got a receiver that's in triple or quadruple coverage. Sometimes it's just double coverage. And he's just trying to fit a ball into a space that isn't there. And he's just trying to do too much. And that's that's turnover worthy play type number one. And honestly, there's a couple of them. There's one throw in particular that's coming to my mind that there's a receiver that's in quadruple coverage. And I swear to you, he almost got it into that, into that wide receiver. I have no idea how. It shouldn't have existed. It should not have been possible. But he almost got it in there. Like I can see what he was thinking on the play. I understand why he believes he has the arm talent to fit some of those in, but that's going to be something that he has to learn from moving forward is to live and see another down. Is to not make those, you know, decisions to throw into triple or quadruple coverage and just try to fit a ball into a space where there's not a space to throw into because especially at the NFL level, those are absolutely going to end in interception and that's something he has to get cleaned up. Turnover worthy plays number two uh, were that he was staring down receivers. And this is another thing that he's going to have to clean up. So there are multiple occasions where he's just locked in to a certain receiver or a certain side of the field, and he is just dragging the safety there. And the safety makes a play on the football. Um, I posted one of them on my timeline as well. And uh, that's just one instance of it. But those type of plays will come up more as well, uh, the more you watch of him. And that's that, that cannot happen. He's got to learn how to manipulate defenders with his eyes um, and he can't predetermine where he's going with the football. But if he does, if he does predetermine where he's going with the football, he at least has to know that he's got to keep the safety in the center of the field, move the safety to the opposite side of the field, or at least be cognizant of where the safety is um, because the safety is getting a massive jump on the football because his eyes are bringing the safety to the receiver and it's causing um, a, you know issue for the receiver. But more importantly, it's, it's an opportunity for the safety to intercept the pass, um, which again is something he's going to have to learn from and then the maybe the biggest one turnover worthy type of 3 is not seeing what's ahead of them so there are uh, a few you know more than a few plays as well where um, he, you know, knows that the slant's there, and he, the, you know, the wide receiver passes the first defender. He gets in that window. He throws to that window, and he doesn't recognize that there's another defender sitting in that zone. And there's multiple times on tape where he doesn't have vision in front of him um, in order to be able to know and educatively make the decision of whether that's a safe throw to make or not. And he's making the throw anyway. So. You know, you'll see at times where he's very adept at reading defenses, but there's also times where he's making decisions and throwing into spaces where he's not anticipating defenders to be. I and mean, he's basically guessing or at worst, not thinking of what could possibly be there and just making the throw rather than having vision on where the ball's actually going and making sure that there's not, not a defender sitting in that zone. So those are the three type of plays. It's not just one. It's not that he's just trying to do too much or doesn't have the talent around him. There are times where he's doing too much. There's times where he's staring down receivers and there's times where he's just not seeing what's ahead of him and having clear vision to where he's trying to throw the football. So Unfortunately, I guess this is not just one type of turnover play that he has to get cleaned up. And this is by far, and in my opinion, again, really the only thing that he has to really improve to go from, you know, being a developmental quarterback to a true, you know, potentially great NFL quarterback. He has all the talent in the world, but he has to cut down on those turnover plays. And again, what better player to learn from than Aaron Rodgers when it comes to making smart decisions with the football. All right. Number seven on my list is he had much better mobility than I ever gave him credit for. Like I knew he had some athleticism, but um, he scrambles really well. He is able to avoid defenders. He's able to get outside of the pocket, throw on the run, Uh, but he's also able to make some defenders miss in the open field. There are a couple jukes that he had on tape in 2018 where he took inside linebackers straight out of their jock and uh, made some, some very, Uh, you know, smart and strong defenders look very, very silly. So uh, he had much, much better mobility than I expected him to have, even though I knew he was very athletic. Um, It was, it was at a higher rate, um, especially just again, just his ability to run with the football. I think he had seven rushing touchdowns, at least seven rushing touchdowns in 2018. Um, And it was just a a very impressive season with how he was able to navigate the pocket, get out of the pocket, move when he needed to. Um, This wasn't a situation where he was getting out of the pocket or taking his eyes off the you know downfield um, when when he was trying to escape and honestly this probably should be one that I have on my list and I don't is he does a phenomenal job of keeping his eyes downfield even when he's rolling out trying to get outside of the pocket he's always looking downfield to make a play he's not looking to run with his legs but he has that ability to do so um, also navigates um, you know some of those read option plays uh, really really well as well so that's another plus to his game. Number eight on my list is his ability as a red zone quarterback. And part of this is that mobility, but uh, a lot of it is that touch and accuracy and placement as well. Um, He is really adept at throwing uh, fades to the corner of the end zone. He's very adept at throwing back shoulder throws on a dime in the back of the end zone. He has a fastball that uh, he can really put some spin rate on that he's able to fit some throws into tight windows. You know, when you watch Um, college quarterbacks, one of the first things that really the two things that you really want to keep an extra eye on is how he performs in the red zone and how he performs on third and long. And Jordan Love showed the ability to do both of those things, but his red zone ability, and I haven't seen the statistics to know, you know, what it ultimately ended up being in 2018. But uh, just from my observations, again, he can do all the things that you need a quarterback to do at the NFL level in the red zone. And that is a, that's an area where you win or lose football games is how you perform in the red zone. And the fact that he has those traits and that ability, again, is another huge plus on his resume. Number nine he is willing to take a hit. So he's still young and he was still a sophomore in college. So uh, most quarterbacks as a sophomore in college are willing to stay in the pocket and take a hit. Um, You know, they haven't been hit in the mouth by a NFL inside linebacker or defensive lineman quite yet. And things can change a little bit after that, especially when you go through one of those games where you get hit eight, nine, 10, 11 times in a game like that. But Um, He is not afraid to step up and make very difficult throws in the face of pressure. Um, He'll fade away if he needs to and still get a really nice ball off. There's a play where he was deep in his end zone and was getting immediate pressure up the middle. He fades off of his back foot and throws a frozen rope to the center center of the field on a receiver running a slant that was just a beautiful ball and you'll see those plays, but he's also not afraid to step into a throw, take the hit, and move on to the next play. So he's got a level of toughness, and you just love to see a quarterback who's not afraid. Um, You know, Ben Fennell always says it's part of the job description as a quarterback. There are times where your only way to win the play uh, is to, you know, allow that extra second for the receiver to come open, even though you know you're going to take a massive hit, Um, You got to be able to do so, be able to take that pounding, get back up, live to see another play. That was something Brett Favre was so incredibly good at and really the best ever. And, uh, you know, have that toughness, take the hit, you know, come get a, you know, be ready for the next play. But you saw some of that toughness on tape from, from Jordan Love. Number 10, improvisation. And this isn't gonna be a surprise to anyone who's watched any of Jordan Love's film, but this is not a system quarterback. This is not a quarterback who is relegated to just being a pocket passer and you having to live and die with what your offense was able to design because he can't live off script. Jordan Love can do a ton off script and can live off script if you need him to. But he's also very good at running the offense. So he's going to take what's given to him. He takes a lot of uh, swing passes. He takes a lot of checkdowns. He takes a lot of quick intermediate throws. Um, he's not afraid to you know to complete those those simple passes and let his receivers do the work. Um, but he has the ability to improvise. Um, he does some you know some ridiculous things on tape. I'm um, getting out of the pocket, keeping his eyes downfield, um, hitting all levels of the field again. I mean again this is this is a player who has the ability to live outside of the pocket as well as in the pocket and that improvisational uh, ability is really something that Honestly, is not even really an option to have as an NFL quarterback. NFL defenses are are too good these days to just have a a pure you know pocket passer who you know. There's exceptions, obviously. You know Tom Brady in his prime is a a you know prime example of that. Uh, but he's so good at manipulating the pocket from within the pocket that that almost negates. It. It's not like he's a statue in the pocket by any means, but. Not to get off topic there, but Jordan Love can live both within the pocket and out of the pocket and his ability to improvise is a huge huge you know skill set that he has at his disposal. Number 11 was one that was a really pleasant surprise um, and that was his ability to use a hard count. And that's not a really normal thing for you know college quarterbacks to start mastering and even more so, this was not your typical like, you know, hard count, draw them off sides, get five yards. This was not your hard count, draw them off sides and just run the play. This was hard count, draw them off sides, get the free play, understand that you need to take a shot downfield and then throw an absolute dime to a receiver and convert on the play. There were at least three plays, at least three plays that I saw on tape in 2018, where he drew a defender off the side, off sides with a hard count got a free play, made a a ridiculous throw shot play down the field and converted a touchdown with it three times. Um, and those were just the the big plays that I remember. So the fact that he has the ability to, and has that hard count at his disposal, but then knows to, you know, get them off sides. Obviously the offensive line plays a part in that as well, but then not only, not just settle for a quick throw or anything like that, like take the free play, take the shot downfield and then deliver and deliver. And absolutely. There's one play that he had that's just an absolutely perfect ball um, to his receiver. Um, on a free play. And again, that's on my Twitter as well, not to keep going back here, but uh, go look at those videos and you'll see some of what I'm talking about. And it was just an absolutely beautiful play. And I said, I think my quote was, who the hell am I looking at here? Because it looked exactly like an Aaron Rodgers play that we've seen for the last, what, Eight years now, where he's able to draw, you know, defenders off sides, get a free play, and then throw a throw that doesn't seem to exist. You know, doesn't seem possible to complete, and he completes it on a dime. Like that's the type of plays that you see from Jordan Love on tape. And then, last but not least, my my twelfth my twelfth observation and my final observation from watching the twenty eighteen tape is that I one hundred and ten percent understand the selection of Jordan Love at pick twenty six. And if I were an NFL general manager, and again, as I've said many a time before, um, many, whatever team, I uh, can thank you know, their, their lucky stars that I am not an NFL general manager for their team. But if I were an NFL general manager and my future was tethered to the future of a quarterback um, and I needed to make a selection and I knew that my future as a GM was on the line and that quarterback was Jordan Love, I would feel comfortable making that selection. That's how confident I would be that you know my job is on the line, um, and it, it's going to come down to whether or not Jordan Love succeeds or not. Um, I feel comfortable based off of his 2018 tape that I, I think he can be that good. Now we have to define what that good is, and you know somebody asked me, a friend of mine asked me a question: if you, if you were a betting man and you had to bet you know a ridiculous sum of money or something on whether or not Jordan Love would succeed or not. Um, will he succeed And that? Because I was kind of going over uh, some of what I was watching in his 2018 tape. And I said, if I were a betting man, I would say that he would not succeed simply because the odds of NFL quarterback succeeding are not good. You can have an injury, you know, you can have something where his just development goes a little bit awry and he, he never gains it back. Like th- these scenarios more often than not, you know, can can end up not being what you expect them to be. But that being said, I would have taken him 100 times out of 100 at pick 26 based off of what I saw on his 2018 tape. Now I'm going to go do the same thing for his 2019 tape and review every game that I can. And I have a ton of all 22 of him for 2019. So I'll see even more. But off of his 2018 tape alone, for me, he was a top 10 draft pick, if not a top five pick, if not a top three pick. He he showed me everything that I possibly would have wanted to see. Do I wish there were less turnover plays I wish there were less turnover plays. Do I wish that he showed the ability to read defenses and make sure that, you know, he was you know, he had vision on the throw before making the throw and making sure that there wasn't a defender ready to pick off the pass? Yes. Do I wish he wasn't staring down plays so that safeties could get a jump on it? Yes. Those are all things that are gonna to have to be cleaned up. I just don't see a situation in which Jordan Love isn't at least a good starting quarterback in the NFL. Now that might be a thirty-four touchdown, seventeen interception type of quarterback, and you know we'll see if that comes to fruition. We'll see what that means. Is if that's good enough, maybe there's a couple twenty interception seasons and things don't go quite as well. Maybe there's a season where he reins it in and there's a thirteen or twelve interception season, and maybe you've got an opportunity to win a Super Bowl uh, because of that. But the talent is there um, to the point that I would say it is at least on par. For me, when I when I go back to my notes from Patrick Mahomes' last season at Texas Tech, and compare those to my notes from Jordan Love from 2018, I'm not so sure that I wouldn't put Jordan Love ahead of um, ahead of Patrick Mahomes just based off of Mahomes' tape in college versus Love's 2018 tape. Now, those were my observations. What that means for Jordan Love, honestly, your guess is as good as mine. Only time will tell. And there's a million different ways that this can go. And there's a lot that goes into developing an NFL quarterback, and there's a ton that can go wrong. And uh, a big part of this is going to be Jordan Love's mental capacity and how he does learning an NFL offense, how he does reading NFL defenses, how he does limiting those turnover-worthy plays. You know, If he can't do some of those things at an NFL level, that changes everything. Um, The raw talent means nothing if it doesn't add up Pre snap and really post snap, when it comes to reading defenses as well, he can make all the throws. He has all the arm talent you need. He can roll to his left, roll to the right. He has more than adequate athleticism, improvisation, touch, accuracy. He can change up the the speed of the football throw. Uh, you know, again, perfect touch pass when needed, but also rifle in an absolute rocket when needed as well. He's great in the red zone. He can take a hit. He has great toughness. Like all of those sort of things are great but the mental side of it is going to be huge and you know that's one of the things in the, in the article that I wrote before the draft of things that NFL GMs and scouts know that we don't I've never had the opportunity to interview Jordan Love I got to talk you know be a part of the media call with him after the the draft was over but I've never had the opportunity to talk to Jordan Love I don't know, you know, how he interacts in, in certain situations or scenarios. I've never been able to see him on a whiteboard and draw out a play or read, you know, um, get an understanding of how, you know, what type of defenses he understands. If he knows how to pick apart a cover two, a cover three, a cover four, if he knows how to read defense. like we don't know those things. And that's such an... Uh, a massive part of becoming an NFL quarterback is those set of things. We don't know—I don't know at least what his study habits are. How is he a film junkie? Is he going to be somebody that's in the film room, breaking down film, uh, you know, trying to figure out what defenses are trying to do against him? You know, there's usually quarterbacks who have some level of success, and then defenses figure them out. Or is he going to have more to his game um, that, to be able to, you know, get out of some of those situations when defensive coordinators figure out a plan of attack on how to attack Jordan Love? I'll say this, against Wyoming in his 2018 tape, they they blitzed the hell out of him and never got him comfortable. And he did not respond well. He had a very bad game against Wyoming in 2018. Now, he didn't have a ton of support in that game, um, but uh, he did not play very well. And I have some questions of how he responds to, you know, increased significant blitzes. He has the arm to beat defenses that are going to blitz him. But again, that comes down to the mental side of things. And I, I want to be very clear here. I'm not saying that Jordan Love doesn't have the mental capability of doing that. There's nothing that would lead me to believe that he is lacking in that regards in any way, shape, or form. I'm just saying I have no idea. Um, and that's going to be something that is going to be worth monitoring as we watch Jordan Love. And it's going to be really fun to see how he does in preseason, how he does in uh, hopefully practices in camp if, if you know those things eventually happen. But again, my, my biggest takeaway is I fully understand, you know, tethering yourself to Jordan Love, moving up to get him because the upside is huge. I mean, we're we're talking if he hits, he can be a top three quarterback, top five quarterback in the NFL, legitimately. He's that good. He's that talented. Um, and I think the, the downside is one of those quarterbacks that make you pull your hair out and you live and die by how he plays in that specific game. And if you make some poor decisions, you might have some three and four interception games. And the games that he's on his game, you might see some three, four touchdown games with no interceptions. So that's, what he, that's, that's where we're at with Jordan Love. That's what he's going to have to do going forward is clean up those turnover worthy plays, which is a lot of what we knew from his 2019 tape. Um, but Uh, There was a lot that I learned watching him from 2018. I hope this was informative and educational. Um, I certainly had a lot of fun breaking down and reviewing his 2018 film, um, and I'm excited to go through his 2019 stuff as soon as I can get to it. Um, I am going to write an article on this as well, uh, probably titled The 12 Things I Learned About Jordan Love From Watching His 2018 Tape. Uh, That'll post on Packer Report this week, so keep an eye out for that. That does it for me today. Um, I have, uh, I'll have another show for you next Monday. Of course, we have a new show for you 365 days a year, so make sure to check back tomorrow. I get a lot of questions of how you can support the podcast. Uh, the biggest thing is you can go out and you can subscribe, you can like, you can comment. Um, those things really do mean a lot to us. If you can go out and leave comments, a five star review. Um, if you can follow us and subscribe, um, those things help us a ton. You know we we are monetized every time that our show is downloaded. So if you are subscribing to it and downloading it every day, even if you don't have a chance to listen to that episode or maybe come back to it later, um, we get paid for that episode. um, Even when you're just downloading it, so uh, subscribing and downloading really helps us out quite a bit. Uh, But again, those five star reviews, tell a friend. Um, You know, there's a lot of people I get questioning all the time. You know, not knowing about the Pack a Day podcast. Of hey, what's your favorite you know Packers podcast? And you know, you'll see that question out there a bit. If you can, you know, tell people about the podcast we would really appreciate that as well. So uh, thank you so much, as always, for listening. Um, I appreciate your support so uh, tremendously much. Um, And again, anything that you guys can do, uh, I appreciate so much as well. Uh, But that does it for me today. Until next week, when I talk to you again, have a great week. I hope you're all staying safe, staying healthy. But until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go!